This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Becoming mostly sunny today, high near 33. Partly cloudy tonight with a low around 18. Mostly sunny on a Friday with a high near 33. According to the Broome County Firewire Facebook and local media reports, at least six fire and emergency crews along with the Broome County Fire Coordinator and Broome County Fire Investigation staff responded to calls for a house fire late last night. The house, which was vacant, is located at 334 East Hill Road off Route 11 in the town of Shenango. The fire was fully involved when firefighters arrived. Officials called for the attack and the fire to be defensive only, indicating the probability of a total loss. The cause of the fire is under investigation. A winter weather system moving through the U.S. is expected to wallop the East Coast this weekend with a mix of snow and freezing rain. But forecasters say it's too soon to say which areas will get snow and which will get rain and how much. The Pacific system is moving through western and southern states before moving up the east coast this weekend. Major U.S. cities accustomed to white winters didn't receive much snow last year to a lack of cold air. The National Weather Service in New York City said this week that 2023 would go down as the city's least snowiest year with just 2.3 inches measured in Central Park. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul says she will push for schools to reemphasize phonics in literacy education programs, a potential overhaul that comes as many states are revamping curriculums amid low reading scores. Hochul, a Democrat, debuted the proposal on Wednesday. If approved by the state legislature, the plan would require the state education department to draft guidelines centered on the so-called science of reading, a phonics-based approach to literacy education. Districts would have to follow the guidelines by September of 2025. Many states have adopted such programs as literacy education test scores have declined. New York State troopers have killed a person in a shootout on a major highway after stopping a vehicle identified in a shooting investigation. State police say two troopers stopped the vehicle on the New York State Thruway in Hilburn near the New Jersey line just before 3 p.m. Wednesday. Authorities say the driver opened fire on the troopers who shot back and killed the person. State police said one trooper had minor injuries and the other was not harmed. The name of the person killed hasn't been released. Police say the person was wanted in connection with a shooting in Albany earlier in the day. Beer Tree Brew is planning some big changes for its newest operation in Broome County. The Binghamton Tap Room and Restaurant at 20 Holly Street is scheduled to close after this Saturday for a major renovation project. General Manager Jordan Needham said the renovated site will look a lot different from the current operation. He said it will offer more upscale dining than the two older Beer Tree Brew locations in Port Crane and Johnson City. 
Needham said the changes to the downtown site are being made during January, which is typically a slow month for the business. He expects the renovated restaurant will open in early February. The move is happening at a time of growing competition among restaurants and bars in downtown Binghamton. Stadium 138, former Mayor Richard David's Beer Garden and Sports Bar opened in late December. Courtside Bar and Grill opened on Court Street in October. Additional eateries and taverns are planning to start operating downtown in the near future. The owners of a Vestal shopping complex went to court to evict a Cajun-style seafood restaurant that had generated some excitement when it opened. The storming crab in the Town Square Mall on the Vestal Parkway started operating during the COVID-19 pandemic in September of 2020. The restaurant initially offered limited seating to comply with state health guidelines related to the pandemic. Operations were paused after a short time when employees accused a manager of engaging in inappropriate behavior. The Broome County Health Department issued a formal closure order in October of 2022 after the restaurant's permit expired. The place never reopened. A legal notice posted on the building by Vestal Town Square LLC ordered the business to vacate the premises. The Broome County Sheriff's Office then issued a formal eviction notice. There was activity at the closed restaurant Wednesday morning as a man waited for workers for a company that had leased equipment to the operation to receive their property. Representatives of the Bricksmore, the Town Square Mall's property management company, were unable to comment on the situation surrounding the Storming Crab restaurant. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF Live. It's 9-10 Thursday morning. And the number, 607-772-1290. WNBF Live for you. It's live and local. Can anybody else do this? Of course they can. Will they? Of course they won't. <laughs> so we're here for you. WNBF Live. So what's going on in your neighborhood? <laughs> I know. I'm surprised, too. I am surprised, but get set for more. It's going to be going to be an interesting year. We already we already have seen a preview of what 2024 will be like. And from a news standpoint, We'll have plenty to cover, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
don't say it often enough, but this is uh, true no matter when you see news happen. Report it. Bob at WNBF.com. Whatever it is, if it's newsworthy, we would like to know. And you are deputized as a, a journalist. If you see news at 2 p.m. or 2 a.m., report it. Bob at WNBF.com. And if you would be so kind as to include your name and phone number, of course, your anonymity will be maintained, but I might need to contact you to ask a couple of questions. So, Bob at WNBF.com. That is how you report news to Bob Joseph. All right, 912, let's see what's going on on the hotline. Hi, you're on the hotline. What's going on? Good morning. Happy New Year, Bob. It's Rob in Fort Crane. And a good morning to you. Happy New Year. Good to hear from Happy you. Happy New Year. I would like to apologize for your listeners for the last call last year. I lost my temper, and I'm, I'm really sorry I did that. And I'm going to make it a point to do better this year. All right. And I'll well, make a point to always do better. So, so what's on sure. your mind this morning? Well, Bob, it's, it's an article that I read in the expose, and it was also on the People's Voice TV. It's the Pfizer documents. And uh, I just got off the phone with Congressman Molinaro's office over this because I sent this to him over a week ago, and I haven't heard anything back. But according to this, uh, these, ex these uh, expose and these Pfizer documents, Pfizer was forecasting the U.S. Uh, to lose 68.5% of its population by the end of 2025. And this was a forecast by a company called Degel, D-E-A-G-E-L. They're a global intelligence and consulting firm. They work for the NSA, the UN, and the World Bank, among others. So if we're going to lose two-thirds of our popula population in the next two years, I'd just like to know why. Does it have to do with the shots, or is it something else going on? And where did they come up with these numbers, this diesel company that the government relies so heavily on, their information? Because in the U.K., it's even worse. They're forecasting 77.1% of their population to die by the end of 2025. This is, this is depopulation. It's genocide, and it's wrong. And I just wanted to, wanted to know what you think about it and your callers. All right. I, I appreciate you throwing it out there. I'm going to do uh, some research because it's the first I'm hearing about it. So we'll see what uh, other listeners have to say because that's, that's very disturbing that anybody would make a projection like that or yeah, projections like that. So, yeah, all right. I thought it was important. All right, thank you. I hope you have a, a good week, and uh, you know, stay tuned because this is going to be an important year for all of us. It is. Take care of yourselves. Thank you. It's nine fourteen at News Radio WNBF. So, what do you think about that? A projection of depopulation uh, with who knows? I mean, I find that find it deeply disturbing and I don't know I don't know it would uh, see the thing about everything that goes on in the world it's it's a mystery to most of us I mean we we know sometimes we know a few things but 
let's face it, sometimes we have no idea about what might be going on behind the scenes. Some mysteries. So hopefully, hopefully that uh, is a projection that is inaccurate. I don't know. I'll have to find out more. Very strange. This just in from City Hall. This just in. The flash apparently official from the mayor's office. Christmas trees will be collected for recycling in the city of Binghamton on Monday, January 8th and Monday, January 22nd. Trees should be brought to the curb. Remove the ornaments, tinsel, and other crap. I mean stuff before bringing trees to the curb for collection. There will be no pickup on January 15th due to the holiday. And for more information, you can contact the DPW. This flash, apparently official from City Hall. Here's another flash from the newspaper. You can win a backyard ice rink and hockey gear from the newspaper. Over $19,000 in prices from the newspaper. Eh, I'll pass. Save the prizes and hire reporters. Thank you. Imagine the newspaper. And the newspaper from Binghamton keeps sending me uh, promotions that are destined for Gannett's customers in Erie, Pennsylvania. I don't know why. I, I know it's a mistake. Of course it's a mistake. I'm not, I'm not saying mistakes don't happen, but they keep happening. You would think... Somebody at the mothership would send a memo and say, get this straightened out. Our uh, readers in Binghamton don't think we care about them when they keep sending promotions that are supposed to go to people in Erie, Pennsylvania. So, anyway, I know you're saying, but Bob, why let it bother you? No, it doesn't bother me. It amuses me. What else? Oh, WNBF.com. A website that actually does contain some original reporting every darn day. Uh, a couple of stories of interest. Of course, uh, interestingly, downtown by Beer Tree Brew has announced plans. It looks like they're reinventing themselves. I don't know what the new name will be. So downtown by Beer Tree Brew at 20 Holly Street... Um, is going to be closed, evidently, for a few weeks. And then, I believe they plan to reopen early next month. Uh, perhaps a new name, new branding, completely new look. So, we'll keep an eye on that. Also, this is an interesting story. And maybe, eventually, we'll get some more info. The mystery. The mystery of the storming crab. It was almost exactly three years ago that people were excited about the prospects of Cajun-style seafood being provided to hungry residents of the Binghamton Metroplex. Well, you know, the storming crab, I admit, even though I never ate there. I admit that when I heard that the Storming Crab was going to open at the Town Square Mall on the Vestal Parkway, I was among those, very interested. 
was also strange because they were talking about opening up a new restaurant in the middle of the pandemic, but everything sounded appropriate when we reported the first time we had the new manager or the manager, the original manager, I believe, of the place. He was actually on the program and he gave me a tour of the place when he was working to renovate what had been the Uno's Pizza Shack, UPS. Remember when it was UPS? Uno's Pizza Shack for, uh, I think, about 20 years. And then the Pizza Shack closed. And then with a certain amount of excitement, it was uh, transformed into the Storming Crab. And then, eh, it had its moments, ups and downs. I guess more downs than ups. And then, basically, it just ceased to exist. I knew there was trouble. Here's a a sign that there's trouble at your establishment. When the health department comes and slaps one of those bright yellow notices uh, and then they tape it to the door with bright red tape and it's something that says notice of closure. That's never a good sign. And that's what they did. That's what the Broome County Health Department did over at the Storming Crab and Vestal in, I believe, October 2022, and take notice that pursuant to the authority conferred upon me by the applicable provision of blah, blah, and woof, woof of the New York State Sanitary Code, the within food service establishment has been ordered closed and all food operations are to cease. Signed by the Director of Public Health. So that's never a good sign. I mean, it's a sign. Actually, let me put it this way. It is a good sign because it's highly visible and hard to ignore. So in that sense, it's a good sign, but it's not necessarily a sign that your business is going to be attracting hungry diners. And I don't guess after that, what I I recall talking talking with... uh, Mary McFadden at the Broome County Health Department. I guess they allowed their permit to expire. So they just kind of faded away. And then more recently, the people that run that plaza over there, Vestal Town Square LLC, they put up a notice saying basically you've got 14 days to take your junk out of here and they never did so apparently there's a lot of stuff still in there then there was a notice put up by the sheriff's office you have been legally evicted get the heck out stay out and then I showed up yesterday and some people from a company called Ecolab Ecolab Eco Echo Echo, Echo, uh, Ecolab. They were coming by to pick up some stuff that apparently they had leased to the restaurant. So, anyway, take a look at the story. The storming crab. We hardly knew ye. Um, contacted a couple of other storming crab restaurants that are still operating, not too far from here. There's one in Buffalo and one in Erie. And the people who answered the phone at those um, restaurants were helpful or nice. They didn't know why the Vestal site shut down. 
kind of a mysterious operation, the way they have the storming crab set up. But anyway, and I could find no way to reach the global headquarters of storming crab restaurants. It's run by a company called Royal Cajun Seafood of Tennessee. But they don't seem to have a telephone, or at least not a phone number that's accessible to reporters. So maybe we'll find out more. Maybe. Maybe it's just a momentary setback, and then they'll come storming back later this year. WNBF Live, Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping. Out on the streets, the traffic starts jumping. With folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. What a way to make a living. Barely getting by. It's all taking and no giving. They just use your mind. WNBF, story of my life. Happy day for those who wish to be happy. If you're unhappy, I hope, I hope your situation will change. I hope things will get better for you. My wish is for happiness and health here in 2024. Speaking of happiness, the happy forecast from Mount Ettrick, the National Weather Service, mostly sunny this afternoon. Meantime, though, this morning, it'll be cloudy. It gradually will become mostly sunny. You have a few snow showers Zipping and zapping through the area. High 33, partly sunny tonight. What is wrong with that? Partly sunny tonight. Where? Alaska? <sighs> partly cloudy tonight. Low 18. Sunny tomorrow. High 33. Cloudy Saturday. Snow likely in the afternoon. High 36. And right now it's 33 at News Radio. WNBF Live. Uh, let's see. Oh, just so you don't run out of things to worry about. WNBF live weather. <laughs> time. It is now time to go out and buy the bread and moxie. This is not a test. This is not a drill. Weather bulletin from WNBF live. <clears throat> <laughs> Be prepared to buy bread and moxie. Oh, I mean milk. 
That's according to the Dairy Association. Buy bread and milk, according to the Dairy Association and the Bread Association. So here's the deal. And I'm not just making this up to scare you. This is the deal. A hazardous weather outlook provided by the National Weather Service. A cold front moving through the area will bring a chance for snow squalls across our region today. Lasting into the early afternoon, some squalls will cause very hazardous travel conditions, dropping visibility to near zero with gusty winds and slippery roads. If traveling during this time, check the weather and listen to WNBF Live before beginning your journey. But that's not the worst of it. <laughs> in, a, in a nonstop effort to keep you scared, a low-pressure system tracking up the East Coast has the potential to bring widespread heavy snow to parts of northeastern Pennsylvania, the Catskills, and the southern tier. Light to moderate snow for portions of central New York, Saturday evening into Sunday. Details, relevant things like exact snowfall amounts, are still uncertain at this time. But it is important for you, now, to buy bread and milk. <laughs> oh yeah, and get some of those uh, meal kits, because what if you're trapped in your house for two or three months because of all the snow? Bob, are you trying to scare me? No. No, Virginia. And no, West Virginia. No, Binghamton and Montrose. I'm not trying to scare you. So I want you to buy more bread and milk. Hi, WNBF Live. You're on the air. What's the uh, nature of your call? Uh, the nature of my call is uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I was hoping that you would facilitate me into some predetermined conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. In the interest of transparency, this is uh, John from Binghamton on the west side. So, yeah, oh, by John. the way, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, Bob. That's John with a J. Hmm. Uh, I'll have to go to Roosevelt School to see how they're spelling it now. Uh, look, uh, Bob, uh, I think the Roosevelt School, now that I'm talking about it, I think it shows how cloutless uh, Donald Lepardo and Leah Webb are. The fact that a governor of their own party would veto it. I mean, they thought this was a mortal lock. They thought this was a shoe-in. Uh, they thought all they had to do was pass the local part of it. And wow, it's off to the races. And they were all, uh, you know, high-fiving themselves in advance. Well, you know, if, I, if Binghamton had a tabloid newspaper... Right. Well, I could say if Binghamton had a non-ghost newspaper. No, if Binghamton had a tabloid paper called the Binghamton Daily News, the headline after that uh, shocking veto by Kathy Hochul would have been something like, Hochul to Binghamton, drop dead. I, I was stunned. Well, let me give you the real stunner. Uh, Lepardo now, I believe, has been in there longer than Jim Talon. Uh, Jim Talon, I believe, was the majority leader at one time. Uh, of the assembly. Uh, she's been in total public office counting her county legislature. You know, she's she's pushing 30 years in elected office. Uh, Leah Webb's had uh, two terms in Binghamton City Council. This will be her 10th year in elected office. 
this shows you what people are electing and re-electing and re-electing. Uh, they're electing uh, people that either can't cultivate clout, and I think that's clearly the case in uh, Lepardo. I mean, she's you can't say that she doesn't understand New Yorkers downstate because she's a Staten Islander herself. So uh, she would be a non-entity if she ran for public office in Metro New York, never seeing the light of day of any political office. But she's up here, and she's uh, uh, cut a cozy deal. I mean, Bob, we need people that are going to shout it from the mountain. Well, what about Leah Webb? Is Leah Webb the current day Warren Anderson? Let me tell you about Leah Webb. First of all, I defended her when no one else thing, just like I defended Bill Berg, just like, uh, you know, I defended a lot of these people when they had when they were being piled on, uh, you know, for political gain. Uh, uh, Leah Webb's got big problems. Uh, one of her biggest problems in my mind, and see, she's got a young a savant type guy advising her. I don't know who she listens to, who she doesn't. Well, who is the advisor? I I have yet to meet him. Uh, well, I mean, I, well, I don't name to... don't name names. Is is it somebody? It's probably nobody I knew. I I don't think yeah. so. He's been, I, I I've I've seen him around. I mean, he's he's okay. You know, I mean, well, if he's listening, if he's listening, send. I I hope you'll send me a, an email, Bob at WNBF dot com, because I'd like to have a sit down with with him and and the senator. Because well, I want to see what I want to know is what what the priorities for the senator are for 2024, especially after this uh, shocking, shocking veto by Governor Hochul. I mean, you know, you know me, I'm nonpartisan. I love governors equally. I love all governors of New York when they do good things. But I have to admit, John, I didn't see this coming. I, I... when when did uh, Kathy Hochul announce it? Did she announce it over the holidays when she thought nobody would be looking? Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was short. Yeah, I mean, you know, right. I think it was a nice Christmas present. Yeah, right before Christmas. What a shocking, you know, I mean, the question one must ask, I mean, there are many questions, but one of the questions that comes to mind is, what did we do to Kathy Hochul to get, to get on her bad list? I mean, did we do collectively as a city... Did we in Binghamton, John, do something to really upset Kathy Hochul to get put on her naughty list? Well, I we knew about the uh, the uh, crab machine and the Cuomo feud. We knew about that one. Uh, that was no secret. This probably will have to be uh, fleshed out at a later date. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it doesn't. See, when, when people want to brag about their accomplishments uh, and, and they, 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 they think that spending public money is an accomplishment. Now, I would say that saving taxpayer money, returning money to the taxpayer would be a greater accomplishment than just spending money. That's yeah, but not that's, why, that's why they always time the property tax rebate checks to happen a few weeks before the election. That's, you know, which is obviously, I mean, that's, talk about a cynical ploy, you know, to have rebate checks come in the mail, usually in October, just a few weeks before the election. I mean, 
Even Zippy the Chimp could figure that out. Well, how about if they engineered that law to say, well, you're, you're, that, that check's got to go into your escrow account for your mortgage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you, you could bet the rebate program would be rescind, rescinded immediately because, let's face it, then, then they're not going to get, they have potential to get zero political credit well, and zero votes for their, their decision to uh, rebate a few pennies of the hard-earned dollars that we pour into the state treasury. Yeah, well, I guess that's changed now. Schumer says we're, we're getting more than... Remember, remember that insane thing that we had to get money back from the federal government that we paid in like it was some sort of club. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you yeah, know, like was, you know, Schumer's, getting... ha- Schumer's holiday club account here. Yeah. You, you, you dump for every thousand dollars you dump into our holiday club account. We give you 40 cents back. It's like, oh, OK. Yeah, I, I see where that's a good deal. Yeah. So I don't I don't know about these people, Bob. I, I know that, uh, you know, there, there's there's a uniparty here. Uh, and it dates back to Tom Libis. Tom Libis and Lepardo made that deal. And, uh, you know, you, you see more pictures of these people uh, with the members of the Uniparty than you do that anybody uh, that would uh, take a stand against the Uniparty. Uh, but uh, they're, they're all there, and they're, they're doing their thing, and we're worse off for it. Bob, how about this? Since 2000, 2000 19... Uh, uh, what is it? Well, I, they can't be billion with a B. Anyway, we spent uh, millions of dollars on economic development, and we lost uh, nineteen thousand jobs. It's a sad commentary. The record, I think, speaks for itself. Thank you, John. Appreciate your call. By the way, the lines are open now for Governor Hochul and uh, her staff. I mean, the governor, of course is uh, always welcome on the program. It's been a while since we spoke with Kathy Hochul. So if uh, the governor's people are listening, remember the hotline number, the exclusive hotline number, if Kathy Hochul wants to call in to explain her shocking veto, 607-772-1290. Of that number also is the authorized number for our listeners on this Thursday morning. WNBF Live, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. News Radio 1290, WNBF. 942 WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. Matt and Binghamton, you're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Just a quick question. I haven't been listening lately, but you know what's going on between Appalachian and Owego with uh, road construction? I'll hang up and listen to your response. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you asked. Yes, many people have wondered, but nobody else has found out the actual information. So, this is an unusual project. Here we are in the middle of winter, and we have... An active construction site just underway now in uh, western Broome County and eastern Tioga County. And many people are saying, why? Why would you start a construction project, a mysterious 
and bizarre construction project. Why would you do that in December and January? Well, it is a good question, and honestly, as far as the timing, I, I have no control over when they do this type of work. But I will say this. It means good things ahead. I know right now there's an inconvenience because there are lane closures in the western section of Vestal and in the Appalachian area on Route 17 and a portion of Interstate 86. So they're doing prep work for the long-delayed repaving project of that section of Route 17 in Tioga County. You know, the worst stretch of Route 17 that we uh, can think of. You know, the section of Route 17 that should have been repaved five years ago. Well, we have learned exclusively that uh, that section there from the county line going from the Tioga Broome County line and heading west, that section is going to be repaved this spring, according to reliable sources. That's when it's scheduled to be repaved. What they're doing now, mysteriously, is uh, some work uh, involving uh, the crossovers, you know, where the, the state police or the Vestal police hang out. I mean, uh, where they, if they need to, where they can cross over if they're responding to a call and going to a scene, that's where they can cross over on the highway. You can't use them because it's illegal for uh, the average highway user to use those crossovers, but they're for emergency responders or DOT. Uh, authorized vehicles can use the crossovers, so they're doing some crossover work. They'll improve the crossovers, I believe, and... Uh, they're doing that right now. I doubt they're going to be doing much of that work, say, on Monday or Tuesday next week because of the snow we probably will receive. But based on the, the way the weather has been going the last two or three weeks, I guess it makes sense to do some of that prep work while the weather has permitted it. So they've been doing some prep work, and then hopefully... Keep your finger crossed. Hopefully, they'll finally, at long last, repave that part of Route 17. Now, some people had theorized that New York State's government had allowed that section of Route 17 in Tioga County to get so bad because the people of Tioga County don't vote the right way. Of course, there's no evidence to back up that theory. I would say it's preposterous, but then again... We do know that people in Albany uh, are very sensitive, so maybe maybe there's some truth to that. At any rate, good times are ahead. Smooth sailing eventually, probably uh, within the next several months, you'll see uh, repaving going on, and therefore that's you know that's the first sign of actual hope for that part that stretch of Route 17 that was allowed to deteriorate to the point where. Several times a year, DOT crews would have to be out there doing patching. They probably spent millions of dollars over the last several years. Okay, maybe not millions. They spent a lot of money unnecessarily because the, uh, the people who make these decisions, 
put off repaving that part of Route 17 till it got to the point where a lot of savvy drivers would no longer use the right lane, the driving lane. Most, not most, many people who were familiar with the situation would use the passing lane and going through the rough road zone. Can you imagine if Janine Puro was driving through there at 190 miles an hour in her 2025 Tesla? The car would fall apart because the road is in such bad shape. Anyway, uh, if you're driving through that area, use caution. It's I'll say this. I will say this. It's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous in sections. The way they have the um, lane closure set up, I'm surprised there hasn't been a deadly crash in the area. So and, and that's my humble opinion. That's not an official opinion. That's my humble opinion that uh, some of the lane closures, the way they have it set up, it's a crash waiting to happen. I hope not. I hope not. But it's whoever set it up, especially because it gets dark so early. So if you have the construction zone set up with lane closures, lane restrictions, and then people zipping in and at one point, you're in the left lane, and then they say, no, get out of the left lane. Now go over to the right lane. Something bad could happen there. I hope not. I'm just saying something could. And uh, I, I hope the people at DOT are aware of the situation they're creating. Because to me, to me, putting that kind of situation out in December and January and expecting expecting no problems, I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe there'll be no problems. We hope there'll be no problems. But if you travel through that area, pay attention because the lane restrictions and closures seem to change. And sometimes it's willy-nilly. It's like, oh, I can't say that on the air anymore. Sorry, can't say willy-nilly. Um, so travel carefully through the area. Again, they're doing some prep work. And, and eventually, it'll be happy motoring for people in that part of Tioga County. The only downside is after they get the repaving done in the town of Owego on Route 17, that means Janine Puro won't be the only one driving 190 miles an hour and treating the whole thing as their personal speedway. It's 949 WNBF Live. Ah. Nine fifty-four. Bob Joseph, WNBF Live on a Thursday morning. Here's a story from Syracuse. You should listen to this carefully when you think your tax dollars are being properly spent. Syracuse has agreed to pay a man convicted of assaulting a police officer $85,000 to settle a lawsuit stemming from the incident. The guy will get paid while serving a 14-year prison sentence for breaking a cop's wrist and illegally possessing a gun during a traffic stop. The story is by Jeremy Boyer, Syracuse.com. That's the Post Standard. Uh, he apparently illegally possessed a gun during a traffic stop. Before he began that sentence, he had to finish time he was serving in federal prison on drug charges. The DA, William Fitzpatrick, 
whose office prosecuted the guy in 2014, questioned the city's decision to settle a lawsuit in which the guy claims he was beaten while acknowledging he doesn't know all that went into the decision. The DA, Fitzpatrick, said the criminal trial made it clear that the guy involved was not a victim. DA Fitzpatrick said, I'm not in their shoes, but if I was on the jury, he would get zero, not a dime. This story says, while the guy may be an unsympathetic figure with a record of drug dealing, the copy hurt has his own baggage. The officer injured in that altercation was now retired John G. Not using his full name to protect his privacy. The newspaper says he has a history of being accused of excessive force. His actions in an unrelated arrest cost the city of Syracuse $146,000. In a lawsuit the city lost after a federal trial in 2021. So there you go. A guy who's in prison is being paid $85,000 in a settlement by the city of Syracuse. Your tax dollars in action. It's 956 WNBF Live. I'm Bob Joseph. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. ABC News, I'm Brian Where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Becoming mostly sunny today, high near 33, partly cloudy tonight with a low around 18, mostly sunny on a Friday with a high near 33. According to the Broome County Firewire Facebook and local media reports, at least six fire and emergency crews along with the Broome County Fire Coordinator and Broome County Fire Investigation staff responded to calls for a house fire late last night. The house, which was vacant, is located at 334 East Hill Road off Route 11 in the town of Shenango. The fire was fully involved when firefighters arrived. Officials called for the attack and the fire to be defensive only, indicating the probability of a total loss. The cause of the fire is under investigation. A winter weather system moving through the U.S. is expected to wallop the East Coast this weekend with a mix of snow and freezing rain. But forecasters say it's too soon to say which areas will get snow and which will get rain and how much. The Pacific system is moving through western and southern states before moving up the East Coast this weekend. Major U.S. cities accustomed to white winters didn't receive much snow last year to a lack of cold air. The National Weather Service in New York City said this week that 2023 would go down as the city's least snowiest year with just 2.3 inches measured in Central Park. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul says she will push for schools to reemphasize phonics in literacy education programs, a potential overhaul that comes as many states are revamping curriculums amid low reading scores. Hochul, a Democrat, debuted the proposal on Wednesday. If approved by the state legislature, the plan would require the state education department to draft guidelines centered on the so-called science of reading, a phonics-based approach to literacy education. 
Districts would have to follow the guidelines by September of 2025. Many states have adopted such programs as literacy education test scores have declined. New York State troopers have killed a person in a shootout on a major highway after stopping a vehicle identified in a shooting investigation. State police say two troopers stopped the vehicle on the New York State Thruway in Hilburn near the New Jersey line just before 3 p.m. Wednesday. Authorities say the driver opened fire on the troopers who shot back and killed the person. State police said one trooper had minor injuries and the other was not harmed. The name of the person killed hasn't been released. Police say the person was wanted in connection with a shooting in Albany earlier in the day. Beer Tree Brew is planning some big changes for its newest operation in Broome County. The Binghamton Tap Room and Restaurant at 20 Holly Street is scheduled to close after this Saturday for a major renovation project. General Manager Jordan Needham said the renovated site will look a lot different from the current operation. He said it will offer more upscale dining than the two older Beer Tree Brew locations in Port Crane and Johnson City. Needham said the changes to the downtown site are being made during January, which is typically a slow month for the business. He expects the renovated restaurant will open in early February. The move is happening at a time of growing competition among restaurants and bars in downtown Binghamton. Stadium 138, former Mayor Richard David's Beer Garden and Sports Bar opened in late December. Courtside Bar and Grill opened on Court Street in October. Additional eateries and taverns are planning to start operating downtown in the near future. The owners of a Vestal shopping complex went to court to evict a Cajun-style seafood restaurant that had generated some excitement when it opened. The storming crab in the Town Square Mall on the Vestal Parkway started operating during the COVID-19 pandemic in September of 2020. The restaurant initially offered limited seating to comply with state health guidelines related to the pandemic. Operations were paused after a short time when employees accused a manager of engaging in inappropriate behavior. The Broome County Health Department issued a formal closure order in October of 2022 after the restaurant's permit expired. The place never reopened. A legal notice posted on the building by Vestal Town Square LLC ordered the business to vacate the premises. The Broome County Sheriff's Office then issued a formal eviction notice. There was activity at the closed restaurant Wednesday morning as a man waited for workers for a company that had leased equipment to the operation to receive their property. Representatives of the Bricksmore, the Town Square Mall's property management company, were unable to comment on the situation surrounding the Storming Crab restaurant. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF.
WNBF. We're live and local on your Thursday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. Coming up, the issues facing Broome County. Give you the latest, what's going to happen around Broome County in 2024. You get the information live and local right here on our program on this Thursday. News Radio, WNBF. Studios. This is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. News Radio 1290. WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Time to talk with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. A few things going on around Broome County. And we'll try to talk about as many important topics as possible. Good morning. Happy New Year. Hey, good morning, Bob. Happy New Year to you, too. So what's the state of the county here? It's four days into 2024. The year is flying right by. It is. Uh, I would say the state of the county is uh, busy. There's a lot of things going on in the in the county. We're, we're pretty busy. And, um, you know, looking forward to a, a nice year in 2024. All right. Have there been any problems yet in the county over the first uh, three and a half days? Anything that There's, that it has created any uh, concern or anxiety? I wouldn't say anything out of the normal. I mean, uh, you know, we've got 40 departments and 2,000 employees. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's always something going on. But uh, I think for the most part, everything is uh, uh, going as usual. It's, it's kind of a a, a typical year there's there's problems and uh then there's really good things that are happening i like to uh update uh things that we've covered in the past one thing we were concerned about in the past was uh the possibility a lot of people could be coming to broome county say from new york city and creating some potential issues in uh, an already tight housing market what's the latest in terms of um folks who may want to be coming to New York City and staying in Broome County hotels or motels? Is there uh, any evidence now that uh, people have started to disregard the emergency order that you issued? No, uh, there, there's, uh, there, there's no evidence that, that that's happening. And uh, our, just so everybody understands, our uh, emergency orders are still in place. Uh, the first one being that we are now allowing uh, New York City to transport uh, large groups of people to the county. That still remains in place. And then we're also uh, prohibiting the use of uh, New York City housing vouchers up here in, in Broome County. And uh, it's something that I think just about every uh, county in upstate New York has done on both of these orders uh, by both the Republican and Democratic county executives. And we worked well with 
Sheriff Akshar and making sure that uh, people that run our hotels and motels are aware of what the emergency orders are, and they, they uh, check in from time to time and make sure that that's being followed. And I think that's been been very helpful. And as you said, you know, the reason why we do this is because we do have a critical shortage of housing here in Broome County, and especially as we get into the, the colder months and in December. And, uh, you know, we, we just can't see, you know, hundreds of people coming in here and, and uh, you know, pretty much breaking an already pretty strained housing situation we have here. So you issued the, uh, I think, the most recent order three months ago, I believe it was October 3rd, regarding yeah. the um, potential acceptance of housing vouchers from New York City. Since then, yeah. has Broome County, or to your knowledge, any other representatives of upstate counties, have they been able to have any type of a conversation or start a dialogue with New York City Mayor Eric Adams or, or his representatives about about these concerns no we really haven't had much of a dialogue i mean way back when this all started uh you know counties asked the mayor or the mayor's representatives to engage in a real meaningful dialogue before they uh you know started to try to place people in upstate communities and i I think that they were successful in, in placing uh some people in in the uh the 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 upstate communities like Orange County and some other counties very close to the city. And then uh, pretty quickly, all the counties uh, declared these states of emergency and issued these emergency orders. So I don't think a lot of other people have been moved to, to other areas. I think some other areas might have accepted a few hundred and then um, ran into some problems and, and changed their mind. Um, but we really haven't had any conversation with New York City, even though we've we've asked for some. And it looks like New York City is actually uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks has been um, issuing orders to uh, the states that are uh, putting busloads of uh, asylum seekers on uh, and sending them in New York City and basically saying that they can't do that anymore. And I think they, that some of those states are finding ways to get around them, uh, for example, by bringing busloads to New Jersey and then sending them by train to, to New York City. Um, so this is, you know, again, what I'll say on this is it's a real failure on the federal government, I'll say on both parties to come to a compromise on a, a really, really difficult situation that is now affecting local governments as well. So what if the Texas governor, who apparently is intent on targeting communities that are controlled by Democratic officials, what if the Texas governor sent a bus of um, um, people, asylum seekers from his state, and the bus driver just decided to drop them off at the the turnaround there at the state line, making sure that his bus was still in Susquehanna County and then pointing in the direction toward uh, Kirkwood, what could Broome County do? Or what if what if the Texas governor started flying in asylum seekers from Austin or wherever to uh, Greater Binghamton Airport? What could Broome County do? Well, we would uh, pro- pro- put pro- prohibitions on that as well. And it's, it's kind of impossible to, to think of, you know, everything, uh, you know, some government's going to do that they, they haven't done yet to try to prevent, prevent that from happening. But if we had any sign that, um, they were going to be doing that, my, my understanding is that these, uh, these states are targeting states that have declared, uh, or cities that have declared sanctuary status. And, um, most, Upstate counties, I think just about all of them, have not declared that, including Broome County. But maybe 
and again, I don't want to put ideas into his head in case he or his people in, in sure. the Lone Star State are listening, but just say, for example, if they decided, well, maybe we could somehow fly under the radar, figuratively speaking, and target smaller communities, even if they haven't said that they want to be sanctuary communities, but say smaller communities controlled by Democratic officials, and they might think, I mean, let's face it, we don't have much of a media structure left. They could probably get away with it for a few weeks before anybody in local news would even catch on. Well, we would uh, we would uh, act quickly. Would you alert the media and- if you if that was happening? Oh, would yeah. you uh, put out a yeah, release? I mean, yeah, I mean that would be that would be a significant. Uh, I mean that would be it, it, for, so. First of all, it's something our Office of Emergency Services has a plan for. It's something that you know we've always had a plan for. If this were to happen, because we've seen this happening for a couple of years, but it certainly as we saw what happened in New York City over the past year, um, we we had to to really dig in and uh, plan for. For example, if a bus just showed up of a hundred people and they needed housing, they didn't have any place to go. What what would our plan be for that? There's always a plan for that, but then um, we would certainly look at, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, the, again, that would, that would break our housing system, right? Uh, an already strained system. So we would look to enact additional emergency orders to prevent that from happening. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on WNBF Live at 1021. I have a few more questions about some other interesting topics coming right up. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Ten twenty four WNBF live with Bob Joseph. Our guest this morning is Broome County Executive Jason Garner. One of the ongoing problems in Broome County and many communities here in the Southern Tier is homelessness, and it seems to have gotten worse just in the last several months. Um, we touched sort of on the on the issue a moment ago with just the uh, difficulty of finding sufficient accommodations for the people in Broome County who are already here. So what's the uh, what's the latest on what the county is doing or might be able to do to help those who remain homeless uh, across the Triple Cities area? We do, we do a couple different things. I mean, there's really a number of different things that we do to, to, to help people who are homeless. Uh, you know, one thing that we do is try to get people jobs and get, get people into employment so they, they can afford a place to live. But when that situation occurs where, where people literally have uh, no place to live and, uh, and no way to pay for it, uh, one of the things that the county does is we uh, try to at least put a, a roof under somebody's head. And we don't think this is the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, something that uh, is, is a perfect situation, but um, we will work to, to put people into hotels or motels, um, you know, especially during the, the, the cold winter months. Um, but then we will work to, to find people uh, permanent housing. And, and the other thing that we're doing long term, and you're going to see a number of housing projects that will break ground this year um, that are uh, mostly affordable housing projects. These are the housing uh, projects that people really, uh, you know, who are homeless really could could use. Is um, is uh, we're going to be breaking breaking ground on probably uh, three, four, five 
different types of housing projects throughout the county, um, hundreds of units uh, of housing that I think are, are much needed in the community. And really, uh, Broome County, I, I would say in, in previous administrations, did not really get into housing, did not really have a lot to do with uh, working on housing projects. That was usually a state thing or a municipal-wide thing. And, you know, it's, it's something that we recognize that's really, really important, especially in the wake of COVID, as we saw more people become homeless um, to, to build out those units. So we've, we've allocated a lot of American Rescue Plan dollars, millions of dollars to, uh, to, to help move these projects along. So uh, 2024 will be a, a year where a lot of these projects come to culmination, culmination and, and uh, we, we break ground and we get moving on those. One of the projects, and I know you probably uh, think this is deja vu because it comes up almost every month when you're on, the sure. project with uh, for veterans on Binghamton's north side, of course, the Veterans Services Center is scheduled yep. to be um, under construction soon. And along yep. with that, the housing component is groundbreaking, expected to happen anytime soon for the yeah. the, uh, the many houses at that site off Shenango Street in Binghamton. Yeah, so construction will start on that project in four to six weeks, uh, even though it's uh, right in the middle of winter, uh, groundbreaking should happen uh, very soon. Is uh, th That's a project that a lot of different people have committed funding to, uh, all of our state officials, even our uh, past state officials, but uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, Don Lopardo has been helpful, uh, Ben Senator Fred Akshar has been helpful, but also our federal officials, uh, Schumer, Gillibrand, Molinaro, have all been really helpful in, in putting funding into that project. So it, it's just kind of a matter of, uh, you know, we, we really want them to be part of the groundbreaking ceremony, but construction should start. I uh, just, just talked to our uh, EPW commissioner in about four to six weeks on that project. So is that just on the Veterans Services Center building or also on the housing on component everything. too? It's, it's on everything. It's on the building and on the, on the housing. And how long do you think the uh, construction work would take? It's going to take a year. I think most of it is going to be done probably, uh, you know, no, no pun intended, but, but by Veterans Day. But I, I think that the, uh, the main building will be done and, uh, you know, that the housing component uh, should be moving ready by sometime in early 25. It's 1028. We're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. It's WNBF Live on a Thursday morning. Uh, homelessness, of course, is... Uh, a big problem and, and one of the things that unfortunately we saw recently just a few weeks ago uh, there was uh, a fire under the bridge that crosses the Shenango River between Shenango Street and Front Street part of it's in Binghamton and I believe the other parts in the town of Dickinson that Bevere Street Bridge was damaged by a fire that uh, apparently someone set in an area where uh, at least one, maybe more homeless people were staying on the, the east end of the bridge. It's turned out to be an expensive um, situation. It's going to cost a significant amount of money to make some repairs because of the damage caused by that fire. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's still in a, under investigation. We're not sure, you know, of all the details of that. And I don't really want to comment on that until the investigation is closed. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, just like in, in diff some different parts of the community, there are are people that, you know, unfortunately were, were living under the bridge and uh, there was a fire there and it's caused uh, some, you know, not insignificant 
uh, repair work to be done. I think it's uh, probably around the neighborhood of $30,000 that we're estimating. We'll see what the, the bill is when it, when it finally comes in. But, you know, some of the, the, the structures uh, there was obviously uh, damaged by the fire, and we want to make sure that it's 100%, 100% uh, safe. So we, we definitely have, have some repairs to do on that. Do you know when the repair work will commence? I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that, but I can get back to you on that for sure. And do you think it's going, going to take very long? I, I've been under there, and I see they put in some wood supports to kind of brace brace up the damaged section. Yeah, I mean, the, the bridge is 100, you know, the bridge is safe to drive on. I mean, we had it inspected. It, it's safe to drive on, but, um, you know, out of an abundance of caution, uh, there, there's definitely some things that we need to do. That I'm not sure of the timeline on and what and and when that will take place and and when it will be finished, but it, it's something that we can get back to you on after I talk to my DPW commissioner on that. And some people may wonder why Broome County has to pay for the repairs when it's a bridge, at least that starts on the east end in the city of Binghamton. Or you know, some people might think, well, it's the city's responsibility or the state's responsibility, but that's not the case here. No, we uh, we actually. Uh, own and, and maintain a, a large number of bridges across the, the county. And that is, that is one of our bridges. That's one of the, the county bridges that we built. Um, I think we reconstructed it, I want to say maybe 15 years ago. And I'm, I'm not quite sure on that, but uh, we, we reconstructed it uh, some time ago and we, we maintain it along with the, many other bridges across the county. Speaking of bridges, and we talked about this, uh, I think about six months ago last summer, the old uh, Center Village Bridge in the town of Colesville, which hasn't been used in a long time, and I believe that the plans are now in place to finally demolish the Center Village Bridge this coming spring. Yes. Yep. That should be all gone by the uh, by the end of spring. And I, I, I've been there. I until a listener brought it to my attention. I had never heard of this bridge. It, it was built in 1890, and it's, to me it's fascinating, but on the other hand, it's no longer safe. At, at one time after the new bridge was put in, I believe in 1990, pedestrians and bicyclists were able to use the old bridge, but now it's not even safe for that use. Exactly. So that's why it's coming down. It's 1032. More to come. We're speaking live with Broome County Executive Jason Garner on News Radio WNBF. Ten thirty-six WNBF live with Bob Joseph. Our guest is Broome County Executive Jason Garner. The Broome County Dog Shelter, Front Street in the town of Dickinson. We uh, had a listener raise some questions about how things are operating there, whether uh, perhaps operating hours have been changed. Listener said he was having difficulty contacting people at the dog shelter. Uh, what is the situation, Mr. Garner, with the dog shelter these days? Have they altered their hours or any of their um, overall uh, operational provisions? So I, I, I'll answer your question, but I think it's important to kind of back up and, and talk about how many dogs we have in here um, compared to uh, pre-COVID. Um, before COVID, we had about 20 dogs in there at any given time, sometimes less. Now we have, I think today we have about 50 dogs, and we could have anywhere up to 60 dogs uh, after COVID ended. Still trying to understand why there's so many dogs in the shelter. I, I would suspect that a lot of people got dogs during that isolation time, and then um, 
you know, a number of them decided when isolation time was over with, they didn't, they didn't want to have the dogs anymore. I, there could be other reasons. I'm not sure. But so what we've done is we've adjusted our hours of visitation. The, the hours that the staff comes in are the same. My understanding is um, because there's so many dogs in there uh, between the hours of 10 and one, um, we're, uh, there, it's not open to the public to just drop in and come in and, and check out the dogs. We're cleaning a lot of the cages. We're doing a lot of that cleaning work that needs to be done each day around that time. We've increased our, so we have three full-time staff. Last year we had five part-time staff and we actually increased the part-time staff to seven. Um, we're in the middle of hiring out those two last, uh, those two new part-timers, but, uh, it does not mean that people can't make an appointment. We've moved to kind of to an appointment system. Um, so, so during the cleaning hours, people could theoretically uh, come in for an appointment. Really the only thing that's changed is that it's not just, it's just not open to the public for people to come in during that, that 10 to one hour because of all the cleaning that has to happen with the huge amount of dogs that we're now taking care of compared to just a, a few years ago. All right. But the bottom line is, I mean, the operations are continuing, even if uh, the situation is, is probably more, more difficult, more work for those who are, are helping to care for the dogs. That, no, the operation continues. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a huge operation. I mean, uh, it's hard enough for some people to take care of one dog. So, uh, you know, imagine taking care of 50 or 60 dogs at a time. Again, you know, we have the, the three full-timers and now the seven part-time staff. And we have a lot of volunteers, a lot of people that come in uh, thankfully and, and help out with a shelter and, and help, uh, you know, walk the dogs and, and take care of them. And I would really recommend if people um, really, you know, really do want a dog and they're ready to have that type of responsibility to, to give the, the shelter a call. They have great staff and great volunteers there. And there's, there's certainly the need is there for sure. Uh, you know, especially these days. One of the other things that people may not be clear on, and I actually wasn't too clear till I looked on the website yesterday, and it says that the dog shelter, uh, I don't know if it's all or most of the funding, comes from the money that the county gets from various municipalities that use the dog shelter, say the city of Binghamton or some of the towns? Yeah, I don't know all the municipalities that we have contracts with, but um, you know, it's a good example of consolidation. Not every single, uh, you know, if we had dog shelters in all 23 different municipalities, that 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 would be, uh, you know, way too many. So what we've done is, you know, it's kind of the countywide consolidated dog shelter for a number of municipalities. So um, they that we have contracts with them that we receive revenue from, and then you know, there's some fees that go into the adoption of the dogs, and of course that goes in to the revenue as well. So it, it's kind of like a fund like our landfill is. We call these enterprise funds or trust funds where, um, you know, the, it doesn't come out of the general fund of Broome County. It really, it, 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 that we, we get the revenue based on the operations um, of the actual, uh, you know, the shelter. Stand 41, Thursday morning, we're speaking with Broome County Executive Jason Garner. County's website, the homepage says, we are hiring and join our team. But I see, and there are a lot of jobs listed. We've talked uh, over the last several months about uh, that there are open positions for many, if not most, of the county departments. But one of the things that I notice is that the pay rates listed seem to be outdated and, and maybe maybe not 
not uh, in line with what people need these days. Say the one of the first jobs listed is account clerk, full time, fourteen twenty an hour. Are these pay rates uh, well, correct? Our, our pay rates, uh, the the pay rates we're going to be changing uh, this year, uh, and there's a lot of pay rates that we have to change. Uh, first of all, our minimum wage is now like fifteen fifty an hour. I think the state minimum wage is at fifteen dollars an hour. Ours is a little higher than that. So, you know, it's it's kind of a monumental operation to change it. And we obviously can't change it like before the year ends. And because and, then people will be thinking that, um, you know, we, we have to wait until the, the, the end of the year. We uh, we made a lot of uh, changes and, and upgrades to different types of departments in our 2024 budget. I want to thank the legislature for that. Um, we just renegotiated an increase in our CSEA pay across the board for next year and the year after that. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, there's been a number of upgrades in, in different uh, departments that, that we made as well. So um, yeah, we, we have to update the, the website a little bit, but um, it's, it's awfully busy as we close out one year to the next, but we will do that very soon. But for anybody that wants to know our, you know, the minimum wage is actually higher than what the state minimum wages uh, for Broome County. And do you think there's anything more? And I know we've asked this question in various ways over the months. Is there anything more really the county can do? Because as as I think everybody knows, whether it's uh, in government or private, the private sector, uh, a lot of times people say, well, if, if people aren't beating down the door to get a job, it's probably not because they don't like working for you. It's probably because the money being offered is insufficient. Can the county do better? Well, listen, I think we can always do better, right? I think every year we try to figure out, you know, where the, the departments where we have a lot of vacancies are and we try to make upgrades there. We're going to be negotiating a number of contracts uh, this year that will will take effect uh, next year. And uh, you know, we can always do better. You know, one thing that that I you know want to talk to our our state leaders about is that you know we've got a lot of mandated services that the state requires, but the, the state did take a lot of funding away from us this past year. And um, you know, we have a situation where uh, we have our employees are you know, the state has taken money away from us and then they offer, you know, higher pay than our employees do. So we're seeing, you know, this really, I think, an unjust situation where the state has taken money away from the county that's uh, hindered our ability to, to pay our employees more, but yet they're paying their employees more. So we're seeing some county employees leaving for state positions. So I think especially with mandated services that the state requires us to pay, I think they should be providing more funding for us to be able to, to pay our employees equitably. It's 1045 WNBF and WNBF.com. Stop by Grippen Park today to see uh, the, the improvement project underway. Obviously, uh, there's nothing going on at the moment, but I understand right. that that might be changing fairly soon, that people might actually start to see some work underway, whether it's putting a new roof on the 50-year-old uh, ice rink located conveniently yep. next to the Susquehanna River. Um, and, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. I mean, at least at least you and I didn't choose the site. But, um, right. but at least the building, I mean, 
the old ice making equipment, what was left of it, was taken out over the last few yep. months. And so uh, the initial preparations have been made for what is going to be a makeover of the park. A given overview, uh, first of all, of, of what people can expect with that original building where the ice rink had been and then other, other sections of the park in West Endicott. So first, first of all, I just want to thank the legislature. The legislature has been really helpful in supporting the funding for this really important project. Uh, Greg Baldwin, who's the, the the legislator over there, has has been a champion for really returning this park back to the community. And, and that's exactly right. The whole building is going to get renovated. Um, it's going to get uh, flood proofed. Um, new bathrooms put in. You know, amenities. A new roof put in. Every you know, it's going to look beautiful. On the inside and the outside, we're going to have, uh, I think, six pickleball courts uh, that we're going to put there during the summer months. And then we are going to put a uh, an ice. Uh, we're, we are going to lay down ice there during the winter months so people can ice skate and get on the ice and, and do that kind of stuff. And then the amenities surrounding the park, we're going to have a wiffle ball stadium. We're going to have a, a, a paved basketball court out there. We're going to have some areas where people can uh, hit tennis balls and things like that. We're going to repave the parking lot and put some walking paths in there. So it is a real uh, big project. It's real important, especially uh, over uh, the people in Western Endicott who uh, for a very long time, for well over a decade, have really not been able to use it at all. And, um, you know, once everything gets built in there, we expect to have a lot of activities there, too. We expect to have concerts there, um, some food trucks uh, coming in there, um, you know, maybe some stuff during Christmas around, uh, you know, the, the skating that'll be there. That'll be a really nice place to skate uh, during the wintertime, especially during Christmas. So um, and all that will uh, start. We've already put the concrete slab in there. All the design work has been done for that. and then. Uh, you'll start to see some major construction happening uh, again, probably in the next four to six weeks. How much will the project cost? What's the latest estimate? I think it's about $3 million. Um, and we were able to, you know, uh, spend uh, some of that money using some of our uh, ARPA uh, funding. But, uh, you know, we also got a grant from Donald Lopardo to uh, do that project as well. So we've been able to leverage some state funding into the project. And, uh, you know, I think it's just going to be a, a gem in the community for people, and, and it, it'll be ready in phases. The uh, you know we're kind of targeting a, a summer completion to the project. Uh, we'll put the ice in later on in the year when it gets colder. And I don't recall that the total project is not going to be completed this construction season, though it would would be completed probably sometime in twenty twenty five. No, I think I think uh, we're tracking that the whole project should be finished by this year. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things uh, it, it's just a matter of when, and uh, that's kind of dependent on some of the supplies, right? So we've got you know a rink that we've got you know a whole large rink that we have to uh, purchase and bring in. Um, that that's kind of depending on on the supply chain and other other types of things. But no, we're we're tracking everything should be finished by this year. It's 1049. Are you expecting to make some sort of announcement or have any kind of a, a ceremony, groundbreaking ceremony for when the yep. work does get underway? Yeah, we expect to have a groundbreaking uh, probably in the next next 30 days. Um, and, uh, you know, right after that, you know, you'll 
you'll see construction equipment there and, and people working up there, like, getting into it. 1049 at WNBF. We're speaking live with the Broome County Executive Jason Garner. Only 306 days till Election Day. And so <laughs> inquiring minds are probably wondering what's what's going to happen. This is the final year of uh, your four-year term. So it's no secret you're planning. You are running for a second term as county executive. Well, actually, I'd be running as a third term. Oh, I've lost track. What well, you know, time time flies. You know, see, that's why nobody can trust the media. Stuff like that. Fortunately, fortunately, you're live and able to to correct that. At any rate, you're uh, clearly uh, want to uh, stay on in the job as the county executive. I do, and and we'll definitely make a more formal announcement in the in the next month or two about that. But um, you know, I think uh, you know working with the legislature and, and really working with people across the community. We've been able to, to do a lot of good work and have uh, done a lot of great projects throughout the community, but I think there's, there's more work to be done. And, um, you know, people in Broome County, uh, you know, so, uh, so want to, uh, you know, elect me again. I, I, and I would really, you know, like to do that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting, uh, It'll be an interesting year, 2024, for a lot of different reasons. There's definitely a, a big presidential election and a big, uh, you know, house race in our district this year. Uh, one of the few competitive ones. But um, yeah, I, I plan on running, and I'll I'll put it. We'll, I'll put out a more formal announcement in, in the future on that. Yeah, I'm guessing on November 5th this year, the turnout is going to be quite high. I would say substantially higher than. Uh, the uh, 2023 general election, because not just because of local races, but indeed because of the presidential election, and there will be so much interest in that. I hope so. I, I think it's important that that, that people uh, you know get on vote as, as much as they can. But yeah, I mean, definitely in, in presidential elections, that seems to bring the the most amount of people uh, voting in, in any given year. So it'll you know it'll be a fun year for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, from from uh, the presidential uh, races all the way down to the the little races here in Broome County. But you know, that's what democracy is all about. People get to choose who they they represent, and uh, you know, they have we have elections, and then we move on and we get the work done. When do you expect to make your formal announcement? I really actually have no idea. I mean, I've I've just been so busy with uh, you know really what we're doing in county government. And this is really the, the first time, I mean, I had an election in 2020 that uh, was a very different election because of COVID. And I really didn't, you know, do any campaigning, but, uh, you know, doing, you know, this year w- w- will probably be different. It's a non, non-COVID year. So, uh, you know, having to, uh, you know, do everything that's happening in the county and, and run county government, same time, you know, you know, I think it's important for me to, to talk to people and dur- during a, an election year and, and be responsive to them, you know, having to do both of those things, uh, you know, it's just going to be a, a pretty busy year as far as I, I haven't had, I don't have any announcement plan, but I think, I think shortly, you know, I'll be making an official one. So as you consider what you're going to point to in your formal announcement soon, what would you think you'll point to is perhaps your biggest accomplishment in, in the last three years as County executive? I, I think three things. I, I think, uh, definitely all the projects that we've been able to do across the county and um you know whether it's 
housing projects or big economic development projects. I think, uh, you know, you look at uh, something like the Oakdale Commons or, uh, you know, the Victory Building, and uh, those are things that uh, aren't really happening in a lot of other communities that we've been able to work on. And then, you know, the second thing is working on the financial situation in Broome County is pretty difficult coming in here, um, building up our fund balance, um, our rainy day fund, and then being able to uh, cut taxes the last uh, five or six years has, has been important, especially during these uh, uh, last couple years where uh, you know inflation has really hit Broome County residents hard. And then probably the most important thing is uh, you know I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff without uh, you know the the legislature and um, you know uh, the majority of them are in a different party than I am, but you know we've been able to learn how to work together, and uh, we don't necessarily agree on all the same things, but. Uh, we work together on uh, a ton of things, and I think it's a, a great example to follow for uh, uh, governments that are a little higher than ours in different places that uh, just because you're in a different party doesn't mean you can't work together to, to try to help improve your community. And, um, you know, that's, uh, those, are, those are probably the, the three things I could just think of right off of the bat that I, that I think that are important. But again, it's not just me. It's the employees that work. And it's the department heads that work, and it's the you know legislature and our community members that work. It's I'm I'm just one person that works with a ton of people to to try to do things around here to to make our community a little better. Broome County Executive Jason Garner, thank you for your time. Appreciate your uh, willingness to answer a few questions every month. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Take care. 10.55 WNBF live and local on a Thursday morning. Coming up, we'll be taking your phone calls. If you have some thoughts about local, state, national, world issues, it'll be your opportunity. We're here every weekday morning from 9 to noon on News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. So it starts recording. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Becoming mostly sunny today, high near 33, partly cloudy tonight with a low around 18, mostly sunny on a Friday with a high near 33. According to the Broome County Firewire Facebook and local media reports, at least six fire and emergency crews along with the Broome County Fire Coordinator and Broome County Fire Investigation staff responded to calls for a house fire late last night. The house, which was vacant, is located at 334 East Hill Road off Route 11 in the town of Shenango. The fire was fully involved when firefighters arrived. Officials called for the attack and the fire to be defensive only, indicating the probability of a total loss. The cause of the fire is under investigation. A winter weather system moving through the U.S. is expected to wallop the East Coast this weekend with a mix of snow and freezing rain. But forecasters say it's too soon to say which areas will get snow and which will get rain and how much. The Pacific system is moving through western and southern states before moving up the East Coast this weekend. 
Major U.S. cities accustomed to white winters didn't receive much snow last year to a lack of cold air. The National Weather Service in New York City said this week that 2023 would go down as the city's least snowiest year with just 2.3 inches measured in Central Park. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul says she will push for schools to reemphasize phonics in literacy education programs. A potential overhaul that comes as many states are revamping curriculums amid low reading scores. Hochul, a Democrat, debuted the proposal on Wednesday. If approved by the state legislature, the plan would require the state education department to draft guidelines centered on the so-called science of reading, a phonics-based approach to literacy education. Districts would have to follow the guidelines by September of 2025. Many states have adopted such programs as literacy education test scores have declined. New York State troopers have killed a person in a shootout on a major highway after stopping a vehicle identified in a shooting investigation. State police say two troopers stopped the vehicle on the New York State Thruway in Hilburn near the New Jersey line just before 3 p.m. Wednesday. Authorities say the driver opened fire on the troopers who shot back and killed the person. State police said one trooper had minor injuries and the other was not harmed. The name of the person killed hasn't been released. Police say the person was wanted in connection with a shooting in Albany earlier in the day. Beer Tree Brew is planning some big changes for its newest operation in Broome County. The Binghamton Tap Room and Restaurant at 20 Holly Street is scheduled to close after this Saturday for a major renovation project. General Manager Jordan Needham said the renovated site will look a lot different from the current operation. He said it will offer more upscale dining than the two older Beer Tree Brew locations in Port Crane and Johnson City. Needham said the changes to the downtown site are being made during January, which is typically a slow month for the business. He expects the renovated restaurant will open in early February. The move is happening at a time of growing competition among restaurants and bars in downtown Binghamton. Stadium 138, former Mayor Richard David's Beer Garden and Sports Bar opened in late December. Courtside Bar and Grill opened on Court Street in October. Additional eateries and taverns are planning to start operating downtown in the near future. The owners of a Vestal shopping complex went to court to evict a Cajun-style seafood restaurant that had generated some excitement when it opened. The storming crab in the Town Square Mall on the Vestal Parkway started operating during the COVID-19 pandemic in September of 2020. The restaurant initially offered limited seating to comply with state health guidelines related to the pandemic. Operations were paused after a short time when employees accused a manager of engaging in inappropriate behavior. The Broome County Health Department issued a formal closure order in October of 2022 after the restaurant's permit expired. The place never reopened. A legal notice posted on the building by Vestal Town Square LLC ordered the business to vacate the premises. The Broome County Sheriff's Office then issued a formal eviction notice. There was activity at the closed restaurant Wednesday morning as a man waited for workers for a company that had leased equipment to the operation to receive their property. 
Representatives of the Bricksmore, the Town Square Mall's property management company, were unable to comment on the situation surrounding the Storming Crab restaurant. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. advocate for horizontal video. Bob Joseph live and local on WNBF. It's Thursday morning. Hotline number is 607-772-1290. If you have any hot thoughts, let us know. Warm things up here at WNBF. Um, snow watch is underway. I'm watching for snow. Um, I know we've already had a few flurries, a few squalls, I guess, in some places. So uh, if you're seeing snow now, feel free to call in. The snow watch never stops here at WNBF. Whether it's just a trace or 47 inches, we are your official snow watch station. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? From Sydney, Sydney, New York, Warren Boyd. All right. Is it snowing there in Sydney? It's a little flurries, a little flurries, yep. All right. Have they uh, called off the schools yet? No, 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 no. But All right. the way they do anymore, it don't take much. But when we went to school, it took a lot to get a snow day. It took a whole lot. And a lot of it came down to cash on the barrel head. If you knew the superintendent and she was willing to take uh, unmarked bills, if you uh, were able to get a, a collection among your friends, and I don't know what the going rate was, $500, $700, and you could get a snow day. But... <laughs> I certainly wouldn't talk about that on the air, but even though the nope. statute of limitations has expired. What's on your mind? Are you concerned, as I am, about all the lawlessness that's going on and not following the Constitution? Uh, states suing states, the federal government suing states. Um, 
if we went back to what the Constitution read, a lot of these problems are spelled right out into it. And, and, and it just seems like um, it's continuous chaos, 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 and how we look throughout the world as a democracy with all this going on. It's very concerning. I find it troubling and disturbing. As I do. And well, I think it's time that we start paying attention to our Constitution. Very much. I, I, told, I couldn't agree with you more, Bob. We need to go back to uh, what our Constitution, our forefathers must be rolling in our graves that set this country up. Hold on. I was just I was just imagining George F. Washington rolling in his grave. Hold on. Ugh, scary, especially after all these centuries. Okay, well, he's probably he probably is if he's still in the grave and we have no way to know. Um, he probably is spinning at a dangerous dangerous rate. Well, he was the the general. If you committed treason back then, he shot you. You know, he, you were gone. I know, and it's it's a good thing for some people that that rule of law doesn't exist, or else who knows what this year's presidential election would look like. See, that's the thing. It's a good thing that we don't shoot the people who commit treason anymore. Including our current president that is not protecting our, our country from all the, uh, the invasion that we are getting from the, our... Uh, uh, the Texas border down there. Yeah, what about from uh, Western New York? People coming in from Canada. How come? How come we're not being protected from the people who are maybe coming in at Niagara Falls or around Plattsburgh? How come you never hear anything about that? Well, you should. Well, how come? You know, I'm a New Yorker. Why? Why do states like Texas and Arizona get all the attention when it comes to border control? What's wrong with New York? Why is New York getting shortchanged? Because New York considers themselves a sanctuary city state. Not New York is not a sanctuary state. I think Jason Garner just acknowledged um, a few minutes ago when he was on. I don't. I don't know that upstate New York, most of upstate New York is not considered sanctuary territory. But where is most of our population down the seaway in Long Island? Yeah, but that doesn't make it right for the federal government to not help us. Just because we live in upstate New York, does that make us bad people? Why? Why do the Republicans in Congress insist on focusing on the southern border and ignoring potential problems here at the northern border. I, I find that very curious. It's almost as though they don't think New Yorkers matter. Well, you don't see twelve to 24,000 people every day crossing the borders. No, the numbers may not be the same, but the issues are a bad person, a bad, bad person, probably, if she was smart, would try to get into the United States coming from Canada and going over through one of New York's border crossings because there's not as much attention paid. They could probably slide right in here and do something really bad in a place like Binghamton because the Republicans won't put a spotlight on border problems and safety here in New York State. They're too busy focusing on Texas 
in Arizona, and I don't think they give a darn about people in upstate New York. Well, I, I, I would hope that you're wrong. Well, I hope I'm wrong, too. If somebody would prove to me that I'm wrong. How come the Speaker of the House doesn't go up to the border north of Plattsburgh? Or how come he's not over at Niagara Falls? What happened? How come he isn't asking questions about the tragedy that happened around Thanksgiving at the Niagara Falls Bridge? He doesn't seem to care at all about the problems we have in upstate New York. And, you know, why? Upstate New York is mostly Republican. Most people in upstate New York vote Republican in local, state, and federal elections. And I think the Republican residents of upstate New York are being ignored by the leadership of the House. And I feel our upstate New York is being ignored by our Democratic the, all the whole Democratic Party. Is- it's not a partisan thing. Republicans and Democrats treat upstate New York the same. They don't care. But, but has our governor asked for help like the, them down the southern borders have? Has, has our governor asked for help? You don't hear her talk about it. She has. Well, she's probably afraid to talk about it publicly. But privately, she's probably been on her hotline talking with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris arranging for help. But you have to understand she's in a a difficult position because she's a Democrat. And to publicly, you know, the, the one sure thing to guarantee that New York won't get the help it needs is for a Democratic leader, whether it's the governor or members of the state legislature, to criticize the Biden administration publicly. That's the surest way that not only will we not get the additional help we need, we'll probably get less federal assistance for upstate's other challenges. So I I fully understand she's in a predicament. She can't criticize Biden publicly, but I bet she's on her hotline almost every day privately demanding forcefully that uh, the administration start providing more help to good people upstate like you and me. I, I, I totally agree, but I'm going to tell you something, Bob. In my opinion, voting has consequences. When when you voted for Biden, Harrison, and and the Democrat way of tax and spend, you knew what you were getting. You you knew what you had. Yes, he may criticize. Yes, he may not. Speak the same, you know, the the right language that everybody likes, but the world isn't anymore where you got to hand flowers and say you're sorry for everything. Sometimes, you know, you got to speak layman's truth and what it is, so people get the message. All right, I appreciate your call and watch out for that snow. By the way, we're going to get a lot of snow this weekend, so be sure to go out and buy some bread and milk. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Bob, and have a good weekend, too. You, too. Thank you. It's 11.20. Bread and milk now on sale at participating outlets. I'm Bob Joseph. WNBF Live, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com.
724 WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. Let's take some calls, shall we? Joe from Greater Ithaca, you're on the air. Yes. Uh, looking at the uh, Post Standard newspaper, it gets delivered to my home, and it's not a thin newspaper. At least the Sunday one is the one I get. A lot of information in it. And I'm looking at something here, opinion, and it says 2023 wasn't all bad. And it lists 23 good things that happened during uh, 2023. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to read them all, I guess, but you want to play the game? 1 to 23, pick a number. Uh, so who wrote this? Okay, this was Washington Post editorial board. Oh, that's what I thought, because I saw it first in the Washington Post. Um, so, okay, number one, tell me about egg prices going down to two bucks. Yeah, okay, you're, re- <laughs> uh, you're a good man. You're ready yeah. already. You're yeah, ready. I, yeah I, I had seen it, and, and I just punched it up just to, to verify. Um, now let's see. I'm going to go page down and, and give you a number to read. Um Oh, I like this one. Uh, number eight. Number eight. Okay. Taylor Swift and Beyond. Beyond no, Beyond. no, okay. that's not. That's number nine. Number. Oh, I got number. Jesus, number eight here in mine. Well, what's... Number eight. Well, that, so what is... That's funny. You got so, a different so the version. Washington Post has Taylor Swift and Beyonce were everywhere. That is number nine on the original list on the Washington Post. Number eight was the Supreme Court rejected the independent state legislature theory. Well, we're off by one here. Hmm. Well, let's go down to see. Let's see which one they changed in the Syracuse paper. So one was egg prices. Two was the gender pay gap uh, hit an all-time low. Oh, maybe they dropped the Washington Commanders have new owners. That was number three. Did they leave that out? No, they got the hole. They got the hole in the ozone layer is number three. Yeah, I I see they. So apparently the Syracuse paper did their own editing because they must have felt the people in Syracuse don't really care about the Washington football team. Oh, interesting. So we found. So okay, so they said twenty three good things. That happened in 2023. So what is number 23 on their list? Page down to the bottom of the list, because now I think, Houston, we may have a problem. Yeah, Americans are traveling again. Okay. Years for the number of air. Yeah, Yeah. so 22. Yeah, that's right. So now they must have made up one. Or, Or look throughout the list to see if they just changed the number for the Washington Commanders football team. Maybe they just pushed it down. Okay, look for Washington Commanders here. Yeah. No, I don't see it because we have to look for the big W here. Well, let's... Now I'm curious, and we've got to yeah. we've got to resolve this. Let's see. So, yeah. um, okay, four. The ozone layer, the hole in the ozone layer, is shrinking. The U.S. government did not shut down. The pandemic officially ended May fifth. CRISPR gene editing treatments are here. Uh, I told you about the Supreme Court. Then number nine, Taylor Swift. Ten, somebody named Kelvin Kiptum ran a two-hour marathon. The nine, the nine here. Yeah. All right. Then President Biden and Xi Jinping met face-to-face. Many looted antiquities were returned. Guinea worm disease is almost eradicated. That's what is supposed to be number 13. Climate-conscious eating took off. 
Ukraine yeah. is an independent yeah. country. Four Colombian kids survived 40 days in the jungle. The U.S. experienced yeah. an economic soft landing. Gymnast Simone Biles is back and better than ever. The California yeah. drought is over. Barbenheimer brought us back to movie theaters. A banking yeah. crisis was avoided, and a 104-year-old woman went skydiving, followed at, at the end by Americans are traveling again. So did they skip a number? Oh, or? here's the Washington. Here's the Washington commanders. They're number 22. <laughs> those, just... those people, and I ought to call the Washington Post... And let them know what the people at the Syracuse Post Standard did that they altered their lists. Yeah, see, because they don't. Yeah, the Washington. Yeah, they just put it down because a lot of people only read the first few things. Oh yeah, and those so, people yeah. at the Syracuse Post Standard, they're they're a bunch of devious newspaper people. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonder they didn't put it on on another page. Well, <laughs> no, it's like I I don't blame them. I mean, yeah. it's it's true. That's more interesting to people in Washington than Syracuse. So. After, after all, 2023 was actually a pretty good year. Yeah, so, you know, no, I'm kind of like relate to the to the uh, Syracuse uh, people because the commanders, wait a minute, the Washington command. I mean, I don't even know what they are. Okay, till I read it. In other words, like I don't even think about them as I like, the commanders. I thought it was a military thing because I, you know, I I know what a football game is. I've been to one. That's about it. <laughs> I've been you to know? I've been to two games. Yeah. I've been to two Buffalo Bills games, and the only thing I remember about those games is it was it was too cold. That's the only so. thing I remember about the only uh, the only NFL games I've been to. Thank you for your call. I appreciate that. So, turns out there were twenty three good things that happened last year. It's eleven thirty. Bob Joseph live WNBF. Matt from Binghamton, the former mayor. Matt Ryan. Good morning. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good. Um, you're Sydney caller. I just wanted to, I see what's going to happen this year. It's the only talking point the Republicans have. It's the border. Yes, there's a crisis there, but they really don't want to do anything about it. And the proof of that is uh, the guy this morning from Texas, one of the representatives saying the, the quiet um, part that's out loud he actually said, quote, no, I'm not going to support any border deal if it helps Biden's approval ratings. And that's what this is all about. That's the only thing they have to run on. And I would like to point out to Mr. Sidney Caller also, he's saying tax and spend Democrats. Well, go look at the record of Trump versus Biden, because that's the world we're living in right now. <clears throat> what happens when you lower the taxes dramatically, the biggest Donald Trump will tell you it's the biggest tax cut ever in the history of the world and spend $8 trillion uh, uh, and you have due deficit spending to the tune of $8 trillion. That's what Donald Trump did. And and so it's just the same thing George Bush did during the, and why we inherited that when during two, we were running two wars on a credit card and he lowered taxes. That's what happens. It's not tax and spend. Nobody's, I mean, it's just it's just finding the Republicans have since they've done the do nothing Republicans, uh, they basically they've this is all they have left is to fear monger about the border. And I hope I hope you don't. I know you're tongue in cheek about the northern border, but I hope you don't play into this bull because it's 
the only thing they have, the only thing they're going to run on. And if, if you let them do that, then the, the the presidential race should be more than about the border because there's a lot more things going on. As Joe just pointed out, there's a lot of good things going on. There's a lot of things that have been accomplished. There's the Republicans going who not one of them voted for the infrastructure bill, the huge infrastructure bill. It's created so many jobs in this country and they're all they not one of them voted for it. And now they're going around claiming credit for the projects that are happening in their communities. You have to realize that the Republicans are and he mentioned chaos. I think most people that really read and study this stuff would say the party of chaos is the Republican Party under Donald Trump. We don't want chaos. That's why we have to really pay attention this year and realize that even if we end up with a geriatric, um, you know, two choices in geriatrics, that there's a big difference that Joe Biden cares about people. Uh, maybe he doesn't, maybe you don't like, uh, you know, you've bought into the whole Democrat versus Republican and this whole horrible thing that's happening in our country that people only listen to one thing. Uh, you know, we we got to get away from that. There's a lot of Republicans who are, are saying that as well. And uh, that we we need to get back to some kind of normalcy where a two-party system is very good, or maybe more parties, but the more we have to have real opposing sides that aren't promoting just chaos, retribution, and all those kinds of things. So I wish the, Mr. Sidney would look at, you know, try to listen to both sides. I mean, you can't well, deny what but still, he, let's face it, we we even if he listens to both sides, I think it's pretty safe to say there's not a single chance in Newark Valley that he would consider voting for Biden. Well, I, you know, if which is fine, if people. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's, that's why we live yeah. in America. There, yeah. it, there are, no, and it's cool. safe to and say. It's safe to say there are tens of millions of Americans, including some who are listening right now, who never, ever will consider voting for Joe Biden. But that well, doesn't make right. them I'm bad people. To, I'm not trying to convince. I'm not trying to convince them of anything. I just want them to. When when people make an argument, that should be you said like people shouldn't just be able to call in and spew stuff and not be able to back it up or talk about you know or just say I hate that I hate Biden I hate this Why do you hate him? He says he's taxing the spend. It's not true uh, compared to Donald Trump. If you're, if you're making a comparison of who the likely two candidates would be, uh, the guy who's destroyed our, uh, you know, even one quarter of the of the our our uh, deficit right now of 34, I guess reached 34 trillion today, uh, is due to almost one quarter is due to Donald Trump's four years in in, in office. So, and that's. You just got to look at the figures. And besides that, when you give that kind of, when you spend that kind of money and you cut taxes, the biggest tax cut in the history of the world, which is, that's what he's claiming, which is pretty close to true. Uh, that's one thing maybe that he did say that was true. You're going to end up with huge deficits. And then the Republicans now, all of a sudden, they always do it. The last time we had anywhere close to a balanced budget was under Bill Clinton. And ever since then, it's been budget after budget after budget. When Republicans are in there, they get totally out of whack because of what they do. They are the ones they don't tax and they spend. 
And that, that you can't, I mean, the same thing's going to happen in Binghamton pretty soon because we left, well, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, don't, don't start that. Not, not today. We only have 24 minutes left. Appreciate your call. Thank you. That is the former mayor of Binghamton, Matthew Ryan. Bob Joseph, 1137. The show is going by too quickly. Sadly, the show is almost over. 607-772-1290. WNBF Live. WNBF. 50 years ago, Republican President Richard Milhouse Nixon signed legislation for a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. My bad. 55 miles an hour. That was the bill that Nixon signed. Can you imagine having to drive 55? Why? Oh, we were running low on gas. By the way, New York State speed limit 50 years ago was down to 50. It was 55 in Pennsylvania. Fifty in Rhode Island. Fifty in Massachusetts. Fifty in New Jersey. Good old days. And congratulations to Richard Milhouse Nixon for imposing the 55-mile-an-hour national speed limit. Can you imagine if Joe Biden pulled a stunt like that today? That guy would be in big trouble. Dan Investel, you're on the air. Hey, how are you? Good. I was listening to Matt Ryan there, and I just wanted to make a couple of my own points, if you don't mind, real quick, um, whether they're my opinion or not. But So he was talking about, you know, if we vote for a geriatric guy versus, you know, Republican, you got to make your choice at the ballot box. Well, if... Wait, who who is the non-geriatric candidate who is uh, being discussed? I, I must have missed it. Who Who will the Republicans run? It's going to be geriatric versus geriatric. <laughs> well, okay, so when it comes to age, there's no issue there. They're they're uh, approximately equal in age. Continue. Okay, so I just think if Joe doesn't make it through his next term, he gets ill or you know something happens, we're going to end up with Kamala Harris. Not necessarily. I know a lot of people think Kamala Harris will be his running mate again. I'm not so sure. I wouldn't be surprised that he chooses somebody like Taylor Swift or somebody who could get him more votes. Kamala Harris at this point is not, trust me, is not popular. But a running mate like Taylor Swift would get him a lot more votes. This is true. Um, so that was my first point. My my second one, I was watching the news last night and uh, Biden and the Democrats keep asking for more money. They say, if they give us the money, those Republicans give us the money, then we can fix the border. And I'm and they said they need the money to hire more judges and more um, border personnel. And I'm like, you can hire all you want, but the, the, you had, like like uh, the House Speaker was saying, you got to shut off the the water valve. These people are pouring in, and we 
you know, you can get a, what are you going to hire 10,000 judges? Everybody's in a black robe in this country. I mean, I mean, you can have as many judges as you want, but they're still coming in. I mean, uh, so I didn't think that was, that was a good talking point that they had. And, uh, and the other thing is why are they so concerned about it now? I mean, they haven't been concerned about it for four years. Since they're concerned about it now because that's the only issue Republicans have to run on. I think that's what uh, the former mayor uh, basically said. That's all we're, ba we're likely to hear about between now and November 5th because the economy is booming and zooming. Otherwise, most Americans are happy. I've never seen as many people smiling on Court Street. So the border issue is about the only tangible issue that Republicans have to, to go against Biden. All right. And so those were my, those are my only oh, okay. thoughts that I had on, on this right. issue. But what, one other question maybe you could answer for me and, or maybe your Matt Ryan could call back sometime and answer is um, I know he stays involved or tries to um, in local politics here. I'm just wondering um, why, you know, he was already the mayor and I, don't think he even lives in Broome County anymore, so I just didn't understand. So, well, no, uh, I, I know he lives in Broome County. So, for a time, he lived in Tompkins County, but now he's a Broome County resident and proud of it. I suspect. I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but I have no doubt that he is proud to be a Broome County resident. Unless something's changed, I don't know. I don't keep, I don't keep tabs on where people are living. 11.45, Randy in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Vic from the Forks. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm sure you're fine. I'm swell. Right. I think one of our problems in New York is the fact that New York is one of the few states that allows you to marry your first cousin. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> don't, don't look at me. Look at Rudy Giuliani. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know. Isn't it true that Rudy cousin? Giuliani married his cousin? Probably. I, I mean, it's no hard idea. to keep track. I mean, you know, the, the Rudy Giuliani soap opera will apparently never end. But I, I, I thought he married his cousin. What about hey. that? In the heat. And the reason why that's important, ordinarily, I wouldn't point it out, but he's widely regarded as America's mayor. Uh, not anymore. I think he's America's bankrupt mayor is what I'm understanding. But uh, uh, I want to get to my the reason I called, and that was because of... Oh, by the way, I stand ago. corrected. <laughs> Correction alert. Correction alert. Uh, he married Regina Perugi. Uh, she was his second cousin, so... <laughs> I don't. I don't want. I don't want to make Rudy Giuliani mad at me. So yes, it was not a first cousin. He, he married Regina Perugi. Uh, he was married to her, shockingly, for fourteen years. So continue. Well, you're in trouble in this state if you have to go to your family reunion to find a wife. <laughs> oh, 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 that's that's harsh. Let's 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 focus. I shouldn't have even brought it up. I I regret. No, seriously. I, I mean, look, I love Rudy Giuliani as much as the next mayor. Okay, what what else? The reason I called was because of uh, that guy. Uh, what's his name? There, Matt Ryan. <laughs> um, oh yeah, the person you endorsed in the last election. That guy. Ex exactly. I did. I, I did endorse him for the DA, and I 
I'm not ashamed of that. I, I still think he'll be a lot better than Batisti had he won, because Batisti is now in the pockets of... Well, I, I don't want to go there. Yeah, let's not go, go there. there. It's it's only the fourth day of the year. Come on, man. Right, but I want to say this, Bob. Uh, his, his talk about Republican and Democrat and who contributes and who don't contribute... There are only 535 members of Congress, and I think 100 and somewhere senators uh, uh, that that uh, uh, represent the Republican Party. I, I I can't remember the stats at all about that, but I know there's 535 members of Congress. Approximately 12 of them are speaking out about these problems that Matt was talking about, uh, both Republican and Democrat. You hear from approximately 12 of them constantly in the news, constantly on the talk show, talking about our border crisis. Well, it is a border crisis, Bob, and it's got nothing to do with people's ethnicities. Uh, what it has to do is with with the geographical locations they're coming from. Uh, look at uh, China. China has uh, 20,000 of them that cross the border, uh, approximately, who can't speak English. Now, if we're going to World War III, Bob, uh, and a lot of people think it's headed that way. Well, I, that's wrong. We're, it's not headed that way. But peer, the fear mongers want you to think that we're headed for World War III. So, you know, let's, let's be clear. It's, right, it's high, World War III is highly unlikely in the next uh, five years. Let me put it this way, Bob. If I were a country that hated the United States, I would send in uh, well, groups of people, uh, you call them cells or whatever in the terrorist uh, organizations, I would send in groups of people who, when got the single, would shut down our, our electric grid, they would uh, create chaos through uh, uh, subway explosions, uh, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, taking down the World Trade Center. Oh, uh, and chaos, chaos like fires and explosions, say, in Niagara Falls around Thanksgiving, or fires and explosions, like, say, on, in Rochester, uh, less than a, uh, an hour into the new year. Things like that. And Which, by the way, that's that's America. You can't stop it. And, and by the way, stuff like that, look at your history. Stuff like that has always gone on. And that doesn't mean that we're headed for a world war. It just means that we have to be constantly vigilant. That's why we have stepped up our support for law enforcement in America to help identify and neutralize real threats. Well, let's look at the threat here. A while back, it was reported that the uh, Biden administration was sending lawyers down to the southern border to, to teach people how to claim um, uh, I forget what you call it, Bob, where they uh, look for amnesty or something based on politics. Well, maybe they need help. Maybe they need... Yeah. Yeah, look, well, I mean, the people coming to America, let's face it, they can't afford... They can't afford a good lawyer. They can't. They don't have the money. I, I, they can't yeah. even afford a bad lawyer. So uh, how are they supposed to understand the laws of the USA? Look, you and I, who've lived in this country for a while now, even us, even, I mean, even we have difficulty understanding the laws. So how should people coming from other countries have a clue about how to navigate the complex system in the U.S.? So didn't the immigrants of the 30s, 40s, 50s? No, the 60s. laws weren't as complex then. Trust me, the uh, laws, they've made things tougher and more complicated. Everything is more complicated today than it was when our 
when our relatives came to America. Things were simple back then. They didn't have the internets. They didn't have cell phones. Respectfully, Bob, I disagree with you. I, I think um, that when you have the amount of people crossing the border, unvetted, released into our country that, that we have today, what is it, 12, 34 million, I think they say, in this country now, three states in Nebraska, something like that. Uh, when you have that many people coming across this border, it's no longer immigration, Bob. It's an invasion of our country. Well, President, you know, then, then they, they ought to hire more people to help process those who are coming in. You know, fix the system. Fix the system. And, and remember, right from the beginning, right from the beginning, more than two centuries ago, the motto of this country, the official motto was, all are welcome here. And they still are if they come illegally. Legally, not illegally. All are welcome here legally. And yeah, but the system doesn't make it easy. The system, if somebody wants to come here legally, it's going to take them years decades maybe never no no that's not true bob that's oh well okay well then then you have a lot more patience than some people do some people are in such dire straits they need help they need help now and i think that's why a lot of people are coming to america look at what they have to put up with getting through concertina wire and then when you finally make it in to the land of the free and the home of WNBF then you've got a governor who's going to put you on a bus or a plane and ship you to Chicago morning WNBF you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from it's Roger from Chokona how are you this morning good what's on your mind uh, I was listening to Mr. Ryan talking about the Republicans and the southern border. So I looked up a couple of numbers quick. In 2019, we had 851,000 contacts at the border. 2020, it dropped to 400,000. In 2022, under Biden and Mayorkas, it hit 2.2 million. That's why Republicans are upset about the border. Well... Uh, it's probably understandable that under the uh, previous management, a lot of people from outside the U.S. didn't want to come here. Maybe they're thinking that the way the country is being operated now by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that it's a, it's a better operation than the people who were in charge four years for the previous four years. That's, that's probably a factor why America is now more popular than it was several years ago. No, because Trump didn't stop the border crossings. He simply controlled it and vetted them. So the good people we could let into the country and the MS-13 and these people didn't get into the country. Yeah, except some did. Even, even when he was in charge, some did. Some bad people got in even when he was in charge. You can't forget that. Everybody makes it sound like no bad people entered the country under the previous management that got kicked out. Well, some bad people did. Yeah, well, compare 400,000 that got in in 2020 to 2.2 million in 2022. Which do you think has the larger proportion of bad people? I, I hear you, man. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying that you know, to make it sound as though no bad people got in under the, uh, the guy who got fired, 
I mean, that's disingenuous. That's probably one of the reasons he got fired, because some bad people were getting in. But I'm not saying bad people don't occasionally slip in. Inevitably, they will. And something must be done to address bad people coming to this country. That's all the time I have for today. Don't worry, I'll be back tomorrow morning from 9 to noon. I'm Bob Joseph. This is WNBF Live. Um. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.